Welcome to Let's Talk Ball. I'm Thad Brown along with Carl Jones, former Syracuse Division I corner. Fran Brown called the station, wanted to see if he had eligibility left. Carl was like, nope, I'm good where I am. I don't need to be a part of that great thing you're building right now. We're happy you stayed. Thank you very much, Carl. My hamstrings were not allowed anyway. <laughs> All right, well, every single week we talk about the X's and O's from the Bills, watching the All-22 feed. This week we're talking Bills and Patriots. And Carl, let's start with where we often start Bills conversations, number 17, Josh Allen, because I thought in this game he was very not good. Yeah, he wasn't a good. I think he looked kind of skittish. He's mm -hmm. never looked comfortable with his reads in certain plays. Some of the throws were off, left the pocket sometimes a little premature. Now, sometimes, like we talked about in this space before, when that pressure gets to you early, right, you start seeing things, you, um, that clock speeds up a little bit because, as you're going to talk about a little bit later here, that pressure wasn't there the entire game. Once you get spooked once, your brain starts to start seeing things and you just don't never feel comfortable. So, look, they're gonna, this team goes and 17 goes, and 17 did not play up to his elite caliber last week. And that's, that's where I want to go with it, too. There's a floor for Josh Allen, which is still really good. Maybe not really good might be too big. He was okay in this game. He was inconsistent, I think, is where you, where you want to draw the line. There were, you know, uh, like I said, or like you said, early in the game, the Patriots sent the house over and over. There were a lot of blitzes. And, you know, Bill Belichick did that in the first game against the Bills this year, had success, stayed with it in this game. And the offensive line had issues. We'll get into that in a little bit. But like you said, for Allen, it never seemed like he was comfortable with what he was seeing, what he was reading. There was a read early in the game where it looked like he had a tight end short, didn't pull the trigger. Linebacker reacts to it. Now he's got the tight end deep. Didn't throw that one either. You know, at some point, that's a throw that you want him to make. The one to me that really stood out as kind of the, the microcosm of his day was the James Cook wheel route. I think it was second quarter. Most people will remember this because Cook was open. It probably wasn't going to be a touchdown, but it was going to be 20, 30 yards. And Allen just missed it by, you know, a couple yards. It wasn't really that close. Now, look, you're going to miss throws. But A, the $250 million guy can't miss that throw. B, the thing that really kind of put me off to where he was at, he throws that off his back foot with no pressure. Like, you need to take that throw and step into it like a professional. You need to understand, have a feel for what's going on around you. And look, if you miss it, you miss it. Nobody's perfect. But, you know, he was scared of nothing, and obviously it affected the throw. And this goes back to, I think, a little bit what we saw last week, too. There just isn't that consistent ability for Josh Allen to feel like he knows what he's doing in the offense. And whether that's a Joe Brady problem or a Stephon Diggs problem, which we'll get into, or just a Josh Allen problem, and I think the answer is probably a combination of both. Either way, this is something the Bills can't afford to have. Like we talked about before, a confident quarterback is a calm quarterback. He just never looked calm. Like you're throwing off your – like this – Let's be frank here. Josh Allen gets away with a lot of stuff because he's a supremely athletic, gifted quarterback, right? So sometimes you'll see him make an off-target, like an off-platform throw where he's throwing off his back foot and he can chuck it 60 yards. And you're like, oh my gosh, great play, right? But sometimes the mundane plays where I just need you just to sit in there and just pop it right over the top and you're having poor technique, it comes back to haunt you. Plays like that, I imagine a whole bunch of stuff, seeing ghosts or whatever, like what Sam Darnold said back in the day, mm -hmm. just didn't help him out. And you can't miss that throw. I mean, because... The coach can't go out there and make the throw for you. I think that's the thing that starts in that scenario. It's kind of what you get with Josh Allen. You know, you, you get a lot of great stuff. He'll improvise and he'll go out of structure and make a ton of plays. But there's, there's an amount of out-of-structure stuff where you're missing things that would have been in structure. There was a play later in the game, the one where he nearly fumbled, where he did fumble the ball, and the Bills nearly lost in the fourth quarter, where they had executed a perfectly uh, uh, set-up rub route 
that sprung Dalton Kincaid down the sideline. And if Josh Allen is looking downfield, you can hit that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he has to be looking downfield. There was some traffic in the pocket, but these are the things that he's been missing too often lately. Now, speaking of that pocket, early in the game, the offensive line was a mess. They were not communicating well. They were not handling blitzes well. Mitch Moore said afterward that there had to be a come-to-Jesus moment on the offensive line. Now, he said that, and we all in the media were like, Really? What happened with the come to Jesus moment? And he's like, no, 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 no. It wasn't that bad. So to be fair, it wasn't that big a deal. But there clearly was an issue in the first quarter. There clearly was some sort of conversation that Mitch Morris was either a part of and or spearheaded. And I'll tell you what, the last three quarters, I thought the offensive line was really clean. They picked up blitz as well. There was one rep in the second quarter where uh, Connor McGovern got his lunch handed to him. But outside of that, I really thought the Bills protected pretty nicely the rest of the game. You know, people will look at that and say, well, why was Josh Allen scrambling? And I'll go back to what we just talked about. He was doing a lot of that, you know, I thought on his own. Beyond the offensive line, the point that you want to hit on is what's going on on the perimeter, specifically with Stephon Diggs and when he is or is not in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no mystery at this point. His snap count is, uh, is you have the number, something like 60% again. Last three games, 60%. His career average with the Bills is over 80, a little bit over 80%. Yeah, and I'm not going to speculate on if he's going through anything medically. We don't know. Uh, so what, that aside, him coming in and out of the game disrupts the flow of the offense in terms of where players are supposed to be at in certain progressions. Like, for example, on the Josh Allen interception, if that is Stephon Diggs or even Gabe Davis, for example, who a guy who they've used as a vertical decoy to space some routes a little bit, then Alex Austin, who a former Bill, got the interception. If he feels someone else there, he probably doesn't come off that route as cleanly. And I don't think that pass was ever getting completed because it was underthrown. But maybe there's a, there's a PI there or something right there, right? Instead, it's an interception, and it goes on Josh Allen's Because record. Trent Shurfield's running the clear Excuse route. me, yeah. yeah. Trent, Trent Shurfield was the receiver in the game on that scenario. Then other plays, Trent Shurfield had a drop. That was in for Stephon Diggs on that play. And then another play where we've seen Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen connect on comeback routes and curls for like 10,000 times. There was a rep where Trent Shurfield didn't run a good route, and he, him and Josh didn't connect on that play. And once again, Stephon Diggs wasn't in the game. So him coming in and out of the game for whatever reason there it is, isn't helping out the Bills that passing game at all. It's funny because the difference between 80% of snaps and 60% of snaps in most games is like 12 plays. And not all of those plays, obviously, are even throws. Not all those plays would have been to Stephon Diggs. But you find two or three that make a difference, that, that he's not in there, and it does make a big difference with what's going on. And, and I thought Trent Shurfield would be a much better player, at least as a receiver, than he's been. He's been a solid blocker. But he has not been effective as a receiver. Frankly, you know, what receiver on the Bills, maybe other than Khalil Shakir, has been better than you expected this year? That's been the theme for everybody. Um, in terms of, like, kind of quick hitters offensively, I thought Dalton Kincaid showed more separation in this game, and at least the Bills showed a willingness to use him down the field. They hit on one. That was not the only one. There were, like I said, there was a play later in the fourth quarter where he was open deep and Josh just was scrambling, didn't have time to look downfield for him. The first possession of the game mm -hmm. was one where they're using Kincaid in a deeper route, and, and he was, I think, more effective getting separation straight down the field than running regular routes man-to-man. -man. He's got such a great feel for zone. He knows how to use leverage and find space. But when he gets manned up, especially when it's not a slow linebacker, he loses too often. He won in this game, and, and you know, against Kyle Duggar, too, he's not a terrible player. No, Kyle Duggar's a really good player. I, I mean, obviously, any Bills fan, though, you guys have seen him over the past two or three years now at this point. And, look, I don't know what Kyle Duggar was doing on the deep ball, but regardless, Dawson Kincaid was able to get 50 yards on the play. Like, not every tight end can 
hold him off for 20, 30 yards, right? Um, so, yeah, it was good to see him use vertically down the field. Because even on that first play, the, on that first play, the first possession of the game where he didn't connect, him and Josh didn't connect on like that over route or whatever. If, if that was a good ball, like, and it wasn't a bad ball, but if that was a better place ball. There's a window there. There's a window mm -hmm. there. And, and I, I'm not faulting Josh for a it's very, a small window. Yeah, very right. difficult throw, but like Kincaid did enough to where I think that he would have uh, had a, a big explosive play there. Real quick, let's talk Joe Brady. Um, we both kind of think this. I'll, I'll set it up and you kind of react how you want. I still see wrinkles that Joe Brady is creating that I like. There are adjustments, but it does feel like the bag is running a little empty. That, you know, there are things that, and not a shock, you know, this is a guy that probably had ideas all year long. He's not the coordinator, can't use him. Now he gets a chance. Woo, let's jump in, baby. Let's dive in the pool. Well, you know, at some point, you're going to start to, you know, lose some of the innovation, some of the novelty. And I think this, not abnormal, but I think this is where we're going with Joe Brady right now. I mean, you hit it on the head about a month ago when you were like, hey, guys, like pump the brakes a little bit on this, like making him the OC. Around four or five games, that's when defense started getting enough tape on you to figure you out a little bit. And um, like the one play that's like been so golden for the Bills over the past month or so is that tackle pool play. Well, I'll tell you in that fourth quarter, the Patriots was waiting on it and they put Deion Dawkins, um, hit, hit him right nice and good and put him on the ground on that exact same play right there. So other teams are keying in on that play as they should, they get paid too. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't want to say like, oh my gosh, like he's not good anymore, but yeah. like he's going to have to come back with some more wrinkles and, and hopefully he's innovative enough to do so. We're going to find out too. I think right now he's normal. He's what you would expect from the average coordinator, which for a guy that got tossed in the job six weeks ago, I think is okay, but it's just okay. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Former Division One corner to my left here. The corner, Rasul Douglas, was the star of this game. Give me the rundown on how great he was. I mean, he was the MVP. It was one of the better games that we've seen a, a defensive back have for the Bills this year. I, I actually, not one of I think it was the best. He contributed to three uh, takeaways. Obviously, he had two himself, but then the pick, uh, the tip ball that he had on the first. Was really mostly his yeah, play. Yeah, it was really his play. I mean, that was a beautiful drive on the, uh, the tight end. I think that was Kaseki right there. That Ed Oliver, I mean, look, the big boy had a nice little yeah. one. Oh, yeah, don't, don't knock the catch. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Rasul Douglas made the play. Yeah, and, and the fact that um, um, I'm happy that you guys talked to him the way you did after the game to kind of like peel back what he was thinking and how he got made those plays because when I saw the, uh, I believe it was the first interception, where the Patriots were in a four by one look. And what I mean by that is four eligible receivers on the right side of the quarterback. Um, and then there was an or a motion which made it four. It was originally three, but then there was a motion that made it four. This has been a play that's been huge in college for a very long time. And the Green Bay Packers used to do this a lot with Devontae Adams, where that single receiver on the other side usually runs something quick, slant or glance, quick post or something of that nature. And you could tell Rasul Douglas knew that right away because as soon as the ball is snapped, he sits in, he's, he jumps inside leverage, and he's just waiting. Give it to me. I'm right here. Throw me the ball. And he threw it right to him. So that was just a phenomenal play right there from, uh, from 31. And then also on the, uh, the other interception that he had, which he took back to the house, just great feel, great instincts on where they're bringing pressure. It's third and long, right? So you always hear the phrase, protect the sticks, right? Protect the third down marker. If you're a cornerback, you're like, all right, look, I got a, a, an inexperienced quarterback back there. If he feels pressure, this ball coming out real, real hot. And him and, I don't know if that was Devontae Parker or not, but they weren't on the same page here. Rasul Douglas is sitting there like, come on, I'm right here, I'm right here. Do it right to him and then an even better play to take that back to the house. Just impressive. And even beyond the turnovers, I thought he was really good down in, down out with coverage. Now, look, the Bills defensive backs, I think, in general were good against that particular receiving group. You'd hope they'd be good, but they were. I, I thought, by and large, they were winning, you know, left and right. Another thing that you and I have talked about a little bit, and this goes back to the second Douglas interception, is the way Sean McDermott has been coaching and running and managing his defense. 
series in, series out, the word that I think we would all use is aggressive. He has not been afraid to bring the house, and you have a theory, at least, as to what's behind that. Yeah, like, I know everyone thinks, oh, they, the Bills play so much zone, they're passive. Like, no, no, that's not the case this year. But one reason as to why I feel that they're bringing so much pressure is that you have two linebackers who may not be pro-typical. Tyrell Dotson is more of a throwback guy in terms of his athleticism, and then Tyrell, and Tyrell Bernard isn't the biggest guy. I believe he's like 225, 230 with like a bag of weights in his each, each of his pockets. <laughs> but so with an undersized guy like that, you know what? You're not going to probably be the best at shedding blocks, right? In the run game, reading, reacting, right? Or even like on a down-by-down down place in the passing game. So let's just bring the house. Let's just blitz a ton and put you guys in better situations to create negative plays. Because, um, I mean, they're not just doing this on third down, folks. They're doing this on first down, second down, run, obvious run situations where gash or be gash. That's the, the term that we're going to use from here on out. We're trying to create negative plays as much as we can, create havoc. And I think it kind of works because, I mean, Terrell Bernard isn't the greatest in terms of shedding blocks, getting guys up off of him. So go be an athlete, dude. Go make plays. And I think that's one way that Sean McDermott has enabled him just like they've enabled Rasul Douglas to play like a, a, a very instinctual player. They've kind of done the same with Terrell Bernard. And with Bernard, you know, he's got three sacks in the last two weeks. All three of them, well, two of them, I should say, are what you call green dog or add-on blitzes, where a group of, you send four or five guys, and then that linebacker checks. If the running back stays in the block, he's going to blitz late. And it's a standard play, but why I think it works for Bernard is, is that you're taking a lot of the traffic away. You're just letting him be an athlete, use his speed, and go straight to the quarterback. He probably does it a lot faster than your run-of-the-mill uh, linebacker would, and it's been very, very effective for the Bills. But you talk about gash or be gashed. Even in this game against Bailey Zappi, you know, they give up a big screen play, and then the first touchdown, offensive touchdown for the Patriots, is a play where they sent the house, they missed, and there was a wide open lane where Zappi could have ran in backwards for a 17-yard touchdown. This is who the Bills' defense is probably going to be. We talked about this. Well, you know, against better quarterbacks, they might get beat. Well, what better quarterbacks left? I mean, other than Pat Mahomes, we're talking about Joe Flacco, whose name I do not want to besmirch, but he's been good. <laughs> Whatever Pittsburgh might have. C.J. Stroud's a rookie. Um, Gardner Minshew. Obviously, Pat Mahomes is dangerous, but he's got no weapons. There may not, even Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to be the MVP, this is a guy who I think most teams feel like you can blitz and can confuse. Maybe, maybe he'll prove it wrong this year. But the point is, is that this might be an effective point of view or attack perspective for the Bills long term in this postseason. I agree, because once again, like the Bills, I think they have a bunch of B-plus players. I think Ed Oliver has kind of creeped into that A range, mm -hmm. so I'll put some respect on his name in that regard. But when you got players, when you go up against that elite competition where, like, they might not be mano-a-mano with the best, well, let's help you out schematically, put you in situations to be, a, uh, to be an effective player. Because, like, you talk about Bernard where he's just adding in on those blitzes. Hey, man, if you see something, trust your gut, go. I don't, if, you're, if you're wrong, we'll talk about it on the sidelines and we'll correct it then. But, like, trust your instincts. Go be a dude. Go be an athlete. Because there's been times on that exact same play. I know Joe Burrow did, had that. Micah High touchdown where the tight end walked into the end zone, right? That was the same exact concept right there. But you know what? We'll live with that because Joe Burrow's not going to be in the bank. Mm -hmm. He's not coming back this year. And the blitzes have been uh, very creative. I mean, he's running stunts with linebackers. He'll show what looks like a seven-man pressure and drop people. You get burned. Like we said, A.J. Epinesa gave up a first down in coverage. You don't want A.J. Epinesa in coverage ever, but that's part of the deal when you're trying to fool the offense. And I, I've been impressed with not only the willingness, but the scheme and the creativity with which McDermott has done it. Uh, quick hits defensively. Uh, Daquan Jones, his first game back, he was good. Wasn't great. You know, I'm a big Daquan Jones fan. I was excited. Can't wait to see him. 
And, and I felt disappointed. I'm like, but he was still good. Why am I disappointed? But no, he was he was solid. Um, played a normal amount of snaps. Did everything you'd want him to do. Involved in the pass rush. Helped the run game. You know, uh, pretty good. Tim Settle had a nice game. Um, active against both the run and the pass. And Greg Rousseau, you know, um, had a kind of a typical Greg Rousseau game where he was active early, then really didn't do a whole lot for about two and a half quarters. And then the last Patriots possession of the game, he gets two big pressures to help get the Bills off the field late with the lead. And look, when, when he's now your third or fourth best, maybe second best defensive end, third or fourth best pass rusher, if you can get that, you're probably happy with it too. Anything else defensively quick for you coming out of this game against New England? No, I just think Christian Benford always, uh, not always, also had another good game. Anytime you take the ball away as a DB, that's exciting to see, especially in the manner that he did it, like, excuse me, I need that. That was cool to see. Um, so yeah, I thought that they're trending in the right direction for a unit that looked really scary in that Eagles game. They've righted the ship a little bit, and I think they're trending in the right direction heading into maybe a postseason run. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen how they would have done against a full-speed Dolphins offense. And I guess, theoretically, Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle might play, but it doesn't look like they will. Um, you know, it would have been a fascinating matchup. I'm not saying one team would win or would not win. I think you and I both agree right now, where the Dolphins are at, this game is advantage Bills probably by a decent amount. Yeah, like, uh, to be quite frank here, the whole next man up thing is cute, but, like, at some point you run out of men. Yeah. And, Unfortunately for the Dolphins, they, they've lost a considerable amount of men over the past few weeks. And sometimes, you know, the, these are the, the breaks of who wins and who loses. You know, the Bills suffered a bunch of injuries, but it was three months ago. They had time to trade for a replacement, figure things out. Whereas a team like the Dolphins, who've had these injuries come in the last three weeks, you don't have the time. Just how it goes sometimes. And the Bills, they have to take advantage of this. Right, right. Yeah. Because they have had trouble against Easton Stick and Bailey Zappi the last two Correct, weeks. Correct, yes. But, yeah, I think they should have the advantage next week. All right. Either way, win or lose, playoffs or not, Carl and I will be back here next week to talk about that game. As always, you can find us at rochesterfirst.com or on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. For Carl Jones, I'm Thad Brown. Thanks for watching. Let's talk ball.